This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, so welcome everybody. Um, I really, over the years, over the years I've spent, you know, like 33 years working with Bachrim, like a lot of years working with Bachrim, and um, here in Yerushalayim, and it's been it's been one of the most rewarding things I've ever done. Um, I have to say it's been an abs- it's an absolute pain in the neck because you guys are total jerks and and you're just like you know you're fools and you're you don't know nothing and and meanwhile you can't admit it you know you can't admit you know nothing so you got to pretend you know everything which is like just makes you even harder to deal with. And and of course, being a bacher and especially a chassidish bacher, which is the majority here, is that it's like, <laughs> it's like it's like you could say to the education system, like, thank you for training us in nothing, <laughs> you know. Well, meanwhile, our sisters, you know, like know everything about everything, and we're like, we got zero training, you know. So the only way we're ever, we're ever going to make any money to support our families is by hustling. You know, because we didn't train in anything. And although you can get your training once you get married. Uh, my, my married sons are both getting degrees now. And the, so you can develop yourself later. But the issue is, is that no one wants to admit at 18 years old, 19, 20, 21, 22, no one wants to admit that they don't know what they're doing. And you know what the problem is with that? The problem is you can't ask. You can't ask. Because the second you ask, you expose yourself that you don't know what you're doing. You wind up like, like you're stuck, because you can't. How do you develop if you can't ask for help? And I don't know what was up with me, but I had, I, I must have had like no cover for myself, because I absolutely play ignorant always till this day, till this day. I'll go up to, I'll call the dying in my shul and ask him the most stupid question, you know, which I could have probably looked up and. Whatever, but I, I just, I always, always saw myself as a beginner. And it's the funniest thing to be sitting right here with all of you looking at me to give you when I'm the one who was given all the years. And my secret was to act always as a beginner in the presence of anyone who could possibly teach me anything. And in fact, I used to say that all the years teaching at Asia Torah, I used to say that my, the reason I'm teaching all these kids is I want to learn from them. I want to learn their Torah. And, but their Torah is never met because they were raised not from. And then they started learning Torah for the first time in their lives. And Torah is going to start coming out of them. That's their Torah, which in the end is going to be part of my Torah because I get to learn Torah from them. And what, a, what, what greater gift can there be in the world than learning Torah from someone who you trained in Torah and now he's teaching you? The two, um, some of the comments I get um, in, outside of Israel where, where single people don't really come to the seminar, meaning for every 30 married men, there's maybe one or two single, you know, the one or two Bachman will come to the seminar, or one or two girls for the ladies' seminars. And one of the cute things that's said during the seminar is someone always raises their hand, you know, some 35-year-old, 40-year-old guy or whatever, and he says... If only we had, if, you know, they point to the bucher, you know. 
you know, this Bachar's name is Yankee or something. Like, if only we had this at Yankee's age. All the trouble that has happened with us trying to figure out our lives but already married raising kids because you're like, you know, you're basically kicked right into full reality from an absolute dream here in Israel and walking around with your little monopoly money from the shekels and the, and you know, like, it's like all of a sudden you're like thrown into life with a, with a wife and the babies and and it's like you have to figure it all out. But the problem is, is that the maturity that it takes, the maturity that it takes to to build a home properly, and and how do you build a home properly by bearing a, building a marriage properly? Well, how do you build a marriage properly? By building yourself properly. Well, how do you build yourself properly? You build yourself properly by having a lot of courage to look at who you are and be willing to tear it down and rebuild in a much more powerful way. You need a rebuild. You understand? You have to rebuild yourself. You know why? Because most of what's built for you is you surviving your childhood. Most of who you are, who you've become, is just your own survival of your childhood. This is why, how can you have 10 kids from one home and every kid's got a totally different thing going on? Because each kid's going to survive that home his way. He figured out a way to survive it. And that becomes how he sees reality and that becomes his life. But that's not who you are. It's a reaction to something. And you don't want to live your life as a reaction. You don't want to be a reaction. Because if your reaction is something that wasn't so functional, if your reaction is something that's dysfunctional, so then that's just going to be more dysfunction. You know, I, to be a reaction to Sheker is Sheker. You know, for example, you got America, you got, uh, you'll, you'll get these war protesters. Why? Because they think war is wrong. And so they've made now a whole lifestyle out of being war protesters. But in the end, they're just a reaction to something they believe is wrong. And so they said, that's not true either. Hmm. By developing yourself, you develop yourself for marriage. Develop yourself for marriage, you develop. You have a developed marriage. You have a developed marriage, you have developed kids. You have developed kids, you, you're building a community. And then the communities develop properly. This is very necessary because... Personal development was not a word. I know it's two words, but it was not a word after the Holocaust. After the war, personal development was not in the vocabulary. What was in the vocabulary was survival. That Claudius is going to survive by building Moistos, building a system. Shai, we doing a wa- only beer or there's water here? You can get water. Yeah, I'm going to need some water. Let me see if we can find a cup. Like, I would just drink tap water because I'm drying out here. Okay, but uh, a cup would be great now. If you, The kitchen might have a cup. Anyway, after the war, there was a need for a system. There had to be structure. After the war, there was, there was total chaos. 
And Claudia was in big, big trouble. There was no infrastructure whatsoever. So the Torah, the Torah that was that was that existed in Europe. The Torah that existed in Europe was gone. And all that's left was was all that was left was victims of torture. Victims of torture. I don't know if you saw the pictures of what we're talking about. I mean people people had lost their lost their spouses and children and just showed up in America like had to start their whole lives over again. There was there was nothing. There was nothing for anybody. And in order to survive that, they they just sat down, they built Moisdus. They just recreated Judaism to show those Nazi bastards. But it was a structural build. And souls, like human souls, are not structure. You can't put a human soul into a box. We're not structure. We need a structure. But we're not a structure. You see, an apartment building is not people. People live in that apartment building. But it is not people. Thank you so much. And so there was, and so there was, you know, the structure and the system was built, and and but what it actually became was more of like a meat grinder. It became like a meat grinder, and and sadly, so many neshumas were never given life. So many souls, so many flames were never given air to shine their light. And you know, I was I was speaking once in in Williamsburg and I it was a large group and I asked was anyone ever a Rebbe Rebbe in Cheder and so the uh, many you know almost half the room raised their hand so I asked who was a who was a Rebbe in Kitagan and several men raised their hand so I asked one of them so how many kids were in the Kita and he said there were 40 kids in the Kita and I said of those kids were any two alike and he says, no two were alike. There wasn't even overlap. Every kid was a vildechaya. Every kid was a was a bria bifneatzmoy mamish, a unique creation. And then I said, okay, raise your hand. Who was kita test? Who was a rebbe in kita test when the boys get their hat and their reckle? Who was a rebbe in kita test? And several men raised their hands. And I called on one of them and I asked him, were any of those boys different and he said something crazy I don't know where he, how he knew the word but he said no the kids were all the same and they were self amputating meaning any appendage that made them seem a little different than the kid next to them they would cut off
that's self-expression. You could actually say that you're more likely to you're more likely to express yourself individually, actually in Haredi clothing. You're more likely to be self-expressed in Haredi clothing. You know why? Because if you look exactly like every single person you walk by, you're forced that your expression would have to come from yourself, meaning your deepest self. If you have to wear the same outfit as everybody, then you're, whatever you do express is your self-expression. Whereas if I'm wearing a certain pair of shoes or a shirt or a cap, that's someone else's expression. That's some designer's expression. That's, that's some crying out for individuality when in fact the... It's like crying out for individuality when in fact the true individuality is within. And it's something we develop. It's a voice we have and it's a voice that we, that we share. It takes time to develop. So I'll go deeper in a minute. Let's do a little singing. Let's sing of this. So I, I don't mind introducing the possible you to you guys, um, but I do want to really, I want to make this a night of chizuk together and, and uh, spirit. Um, please God, the seminar this Sunday is going to be full. We're going to have an unbelievable five days, five nights together. Every buffer who's done it said that these five nights, when they went back to America, or, New, or Europe, or Zurich, or Antwerp, or London, when they left Israel, they said that these five nights were for sure the most powerful nights of their entire year in Israel. And I get people who come up to me, who are married now, for 20 years and they come up to me and say that they're so grateful that I pushed them into the seminar I guess I must have had a talk with them and I like gave them that Hungarian kick into the seminar but they were so grateful that I convinced them to do the seminar because it's really made it built them like nothing else and but I gotta tell you that I've had a lot of people <coughs> in the last years come up to me during a seminar <coughs> And the guy's doing very deep work. A lot of stuff's coming out. Stuff with his wife, stuff with his kids, heavy stuff. And I'm feeling terrible for the guy. And afterwards, he wants to speak to me privately, so he offers me a ride home. And in his car, he says to me, when we got to the house, whoever gives me a ride home around the world, when we get to where I'm staying, we wind up about a half hour to an hour sitting in the car at that point and that's where the tears start coming out and anyway but at the very end of about an hour of crying he says to me I'm about to leave the car he says to me and this has happened many times he says to me I just got to tell you one more thing that's the most crushing of all and I said what's that he says when I was when I was in Eric's Israel 20 years ago my whole dira in Beis Israel went to your seminar and I was going to show them. I was going to show them that I don't need it. <laughs> I'm not kidding. This every, not every seminar, every two seminars. Someone comes up to me and says that I was going to show all my, all those buffers who were so excited and they were doing the homework every night and they were making me nuts. 
And I was going to show them that this is a joke or a scam or whatever, or, or just make fun of it or put it down. And here I am 20 years later, and I got 20 years of driving. I'm going to have to drive in reverse now to fix my life and fix my marriage and fix my kids. And it's just such a humbling thing that to see them have to say that. And so I, I'm just telling you now, like, a wise man looks into the future and says to himself that if I can, if I can develop myself right now in a way that bumps me up in five nights, if I can bump up my game in five nights significantly, that... I'm going to be laughing my way to the bank years from now, years later. You see, guys, we're all in Hashem's seminar. There was never such a thing as going to a seminar. Everybody was in a seminar. Every human being is in a seminar. The beginning of the seminar is when you're born. The end of the seminar is when you die. At the end of the seminar, meaning years before you die, check out old people. You ever notice old people? Like they, they get all happy and stuff. They start they lose their filters. They start saying whatever they want. You ever notice that? You know you gotta like watch out for old people. They start saying random stuff. You know, like they have, they have no rules. But what what are they doing? They're self self expressing. They're at the end of the seminar. When people leave here next Thursday night, they can get up in front of anyone if they want it. They can show up to any simcha with absolute confidence, relaxed, and then go walk into any kiddush for the rest of their lives and not have to sell anything. They can just enjoy the monkey shoulder and herring and have a good time and actually maybe be a be a contribution to the people around them rather than a, another attention seeker. Like that's where you wind up. And that's where everyone winds up in a Shem seminar. But the issue is, is that there was an industrial revolution. People moved from farms to cities. The Enlightenment, the Haskala happened. We've had pogroms, world wars, a huge assimilation of Jews who disappeared from from the from the Yiddishkeit. We've had two world wars. We had a holocaust. We've had a gigantic mushroom of technology that will rip a person's soul apart. We're in a position right now that is so far away that we don't have time for God's seminar. By the time any of us would get where we need to get in God's seminar, our kids are going to be already married. And screwed up. We don't have time for that. It used to be fine. We lived on farms. You lived 40 years. Maybe you got old and lived to 45. Some people lived to 50. You, you were in the seminar. But you were a normal human being. You farmed. You, you had cows. Or maybe you had uh, orange trees or something. Or potatoes. And yeah, you were in a Shem seminar, but life was simple. We raised a good home. 
married your kids off, boys were married at 14, until 16, girls were married between 12 and 14, 13 years old, there were no yeshivas, yeshivas are 200 years old, that's it. There's not a person in this room who would have gotten into Nardoi or, or uh, you know, Marava. None of you guys would have gotten in there. They wouldn't even let you like, near the door. There was no such thing as a yeshiva. At 13 years old, you were working. You were either tanning skins or you were, you were making shoes or, or maybe you got to be a sofristam or something like there's no such thing as as being in an incubator for nine years, ten years. Everyone was trained at twelve, working by thirteen. You were in God's seminar, and life was simple and good. People were real. People were whole. People were wise, like inner wisdom. People weren't running around like chickens with their heads cut off. And so I'm a shliach from Hashem. Not just me, anyone who's leading work the way I lead it. We're shluchim. Because we don't have time to get where we need to get to make sure our homes and our children are safe. When I mean safe, by emotional safety, that they can flower that our children can flower, because that's our responsibility. If you create kids who are erlich, who are frum, but they're dead inside, you fail. I don't care how the Zaydis enjoyed the mitzvah dance. If the kids are, are, are zombies, if they're, if they're living dead, from a cold system, Because everyone's so messed up at this point. It's not okay. And I personally, I'm waiting for some big gavir to just make this free. Because it should be free. Because God's seminar is free. I ran this for free. When I was in Avreich, I only had a few kids. I ran it for free for three years. And the first time I even charged for it was I took the price of the hall and divided it amongst the guys. There were 30 guys. I said, okay, the hall was a thousand bucks for the week. So, you know, what's a thousand divided by 30? And that's what I charged. I didn't charge. It, it just cost, paid for the hall. That was for another year. So I basically ran it for free for four years. And Baruch Hashem, after 23 years of running it, with 13,000 graduates, I'm now at a point where, like, we're like, it's just, it's fine wine. You guys are so lucky. I feel bad for the first year. Those guys were really the guinea pigs, you know. They were the, the lab rats, you know. You know what lab rats are? Before they created that vaccine, they used to use rats for experimentation. Now they use people. But the first the first possible graduates were like that was real experimental times. You guys are getting an unbelievable product.
And if anyone, I know a lot of people were sent here by their parents because their parents are graduates, but if any of you have parents who are like more Hanyokish and like are not at all, you know, like they, they don't have a concept of such a thing, so I'm happy to speak to them. I'm, I'm between now and Sunday, I'll be happy to make, you know, I can't make a ton of calls, but I can make several calls. And there is not a father I've spoken to, the most Hanyokish guy you ever met. You know, he's like, you know, Coke bottle glasses and he's English like almost none. And there's not a father I've spoken to that didn't say yes and send his son to the seminar. He paid for it. Not one. So if anyone wants me to call their father, I'm happy to do so. I know how to scare them. I tell them divorce is much more expensive. <laughs> Just send your son to the seminar for uh, insurance policy.
I'd like everyone to just take a moment and chill in your seat and have in mind that the uh, your neshama is so high that if it would reveal itself fully, if your neshama would fully reveal itself, everyone in this room would probably, their hair would stand up, they get total goosebumps. Um, people would probably just start shaking and maybe fall on their face in front of in front of you. But I, I really want you to think about that right now. You know, I, I would even I would even close your eyes a moment. Can you do me a favor? Hit the last light over there, the far right light by the door. Last light, bottom row. Keep that light on. Everyone just close your eyes a second. Sorry, the last light on the right. The light? Yeah. And make sure that one goes off, the one you touched. Yeah. Perfect. Everyone close your eyes a sec. Sit comfortably, but maybe a little straight if you want. Arms resting on your legs, but hands open a little bit, so you're not closed. Open a little. So your hands are... You want your palms clapish maya. Close your eyes, breathe. And I want you to hop this. I want you to get this. Just breathe right there. I want you to get it back. That if you if you were truly living your neshama, you know your neshama is is so beyond anything. Did you know that science cannot understand? And they cannot locate or describe where is the location of your consciousness, of your actual conscious awareness. It does not exist in the brain. It's nowhere else inside the body. The biggest atheist in science as this is the number two kasha in atheism, is how do they deal with the consciousness? How do they deal with the soul? It's a major kasha. And the crazy thing is they use, they have to use the awareness to try to figure out where it's from. You see, your awareness is... That awareness you have right now, whispered the word yes quietly. Yes. Yes. Are you aware of yourself in this room right now? Whisper yes. 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 Now be can you be aware of an old man under a talus? Say yes. Can you be aware of a bird flying over Yerushalayim? Yes. Well, the old man in the talus and the bird flying over Yerushalayim are thoughts. They are not you. You have a you. That's the true you inside. And that's your awareness. In English, it's called awareness or consciousness. And in Torah, it's the Neshama. And you have thoughts. You think thoughts. But you are not your thoughts. 
and whisper the words, I am not my fault. And realize that if you walked in this room as a pure neshama, everyone's hair would stand up. Without even looking at you, without even seeing that it was you that walked in, if you walked in this room as a pure neshama, which you are, Everyone's hair would stand up. People would probably shake and fall on the ground. But I don't know if you noticed, but when you walked in here, that didn't happen to anybody. That pure self of yours, the inner, innermost, pure awareness, conscious, neshama self, is your true being. And the reason why you don't have that magical effect, that magnetic effect, because when you get into being, you become a magnet. What happens is that true being, that perfect being gets covered up with chatzitzas, barriers where the being gets poisoned in young ages by self negating negative, self negating statements in your development you see the second a person saying they're unwanted unloved unimportant insignificant ugly dumb unliked incapable not as good as someone else not good enough, small or lost, weak. Worthless. As soon as someone's saying that about themselves, that is a major chatzitsa, a major barrier to the light and love of the neshama of their true consciousness and once that barrier is there the person's magnetism their magnetic attraction becomes dull and I wish it were that easy but unfortunately that once a child feels this way about himself he thinks to himself that he's got to survive the rest of his life and now that I know this is true about me and no kid ever went to their parents to say oh guess what I discovered in school today something about myself that I'm unwanted no kid came home to tell his parents that so the parents couldn't even help 
And so the kid was just with his own belief about himself, which we call in the possible you, the inner negative belief. Whisper those words, inner negative belief. And close your right fist. Make a fist with your right hand and imagine every inner negative belief in your right hand. Every negative belief you've ever had is in there. And if it were that easy, that would be easy, but it's not easy. And when someone believes that about themselves and they're thinking, hey, I'm going to live another hundred years, how am I going to survive? So what they do is they create a distraction, some kind of way of interacting in the world so that no one should ever expose his inner negative belief. Inside the brain of a person and every bird and every fish and every animal is a fight or flight reflex. And what you did and what every person did in the whole world is create fight and flight personality shifts in order to cover up the inner negative beliefs. Close your left fist as well. Take a deep breath. Hold your breath. Release your breath. Now just breathing normally. Keeping both fists tight. And what you realize is these exhausting moves that you've made. Fight and flight. Fight might be being the most popular person or dominating socially, financially, having control or power over others or being Mr. Independent. All those would be fight. Being a know-it-all, being the guy, the mafia. And also inside your left hand is the flight. Being shy or shut down, not trusting anybody, not really sharing yourself, not expressing yourself. Being lazy or pushing off responsibilities. All of that is flight. And once that compensation, meaning once that cover-up of the inner negative beliefs happen, which are called the survival strategies, whisper those words, survival strategies. Once you're covering up your inner negative beliefs with survival strategies, you're now completing your personality for the rest of your life. So when you see a person who's 50, 60 years old, they're generally just 
an adult version of the same survival strategies that worked for them when they were little. They're just a large version of it. So when you see people driving down 13th Avenue in their tank, the Yukon or the Navigator or the Escalade. It's part of that same game. But then there's the soul underneath it all, taking a deep breath. Hold your breath. And as you exhale, release your hands. And in this state of being, pure being of that neshama, come back to your consciousness and whisper the words, I am my consciousness. I am my awareness. I'm a neshama. Neshem clearly wants you here and whisper, I'm wanted. And he organizes your whole life around you as if you're the only person on earth and whisper the words, I'm loved. And he brought you here for a purpose and whisper the words, I'm important. He gave you a neshama and whisper the words, I'm holy, spiritual. And he gave you the brains to learn whatever your chalik and terror will be. Not to mention the rest of Kola Tarkula, whisper words, I'm a bentor, I'm shayat titor. And whatever you came here for, he gave you unique capabilities to fulfill that purpose. Whisper the words, I'm uniquely capable. And he gave you the brains for that particular purpose and whisper the words, I'm uniquely brilliant. And because your neshama is being powered by Hashem, you're a chelikalakami mal, whisper, I'm a chelikalakami mal. But that means you're like a nuclear power plant, and he's the source of your power. So whisper the words, I'm humbly powerful. Let me feel your presence. 
more time, it goes like this. Listen once, don't sing. Oh, oh, oh. 
anyway, when all the neshamas, because Hashem, this isn't Hashem's plan forever. This is definitely not Hashem's plan forever. Hashem's got other plans. And when those plans come through, which seem to be, you know, things have sped up a lot. I feel bad for you guys. You know, you're so young and you've had to already go through so much. Corona was the worst thing I've been through in my 55 years. And what happened on October 7th and the aftermath has been the worst thing that probably outdid Corona. And you guys are so young, you know, like, I had to reach my 50s to, I had to live for 50 years to start going through the kind of stuff that humanity goes through. Somehow I was granted 50 years of, really the world was granted 70 years of relative peace. And here you guys, these young guys, and you got a crazy world to live in. But it's not the plan, really. Nishmas kol the whole world's going to come to Hashem. And the whole Sibur Yitzitz Mitzrayim is a microcosm of what's going to happen on the planet. It's one of the reasons that even the most secular Jews who have fried out generations ago still do Seder. Because those are the Simonim that we're all going to need to, to get out, to know how to how to navigate when in the chaos. And the chaos is getting bigger and bigger, if you didn't notice. The chaos is just getting crazy. But we all have the Simonim, and, uh, and we're all going to get out. We're going to work our way to it. It's going to be very great, but we've got to get through it. But it's time. It's time. I was just learning Zohar today. And it brings down the history of how the final redemption is going to happen. It says that that the ministering angels that are over the Yishmaelim, they go to Hashem and they say, but the Yishmael is Brismila. And, and Hashem says back, okay, so they're going to have a chelik in Eretz Yisrael for a period of time. And then it says in the end, when their chalik is done, oh, it says their chalik because they never got priya. They only have, they only have the mila without the priya. Because they didn't get priya, they'll only get the land when it's bishmama, when it's desolate. When Eretz Israel will be desolate, then they'll get their, their, this is amazing, this is 2,000 years ago, this is, this is from Zohar, that, that it says that they'll only get the land while it's desolate. At the end though, they're gonna, the, it says that they, that the um, Edom, uh, Esau, you know, whatever, Europe, Westerners, will come and fight them. And they're going to have a war with them. And, and what's going to happen is the Ishmaelim are going to be backed up. It says they're going to be backed up by a far-off land. Probably China. But they're going to be backed up by a far-off land, and then they're going to start whooping the, the Westerners. You know, America, allies... They're going to whoop the, the allies. Why? It goes on in the Zohar to say, because then all the Western countries, meaning South America, you know, all the countries, are going to come in for to, to, to you know kick back. And what? And it says why? Because because this is the way that a shim is going to get back at Edom 
for Kurban, for destroying Bayashani, and for the way they treated the Yidin while the Yidin were in their exile. Because the only way you can gather all of them, if you only have allied nations coming here, they, they're, uh, you know, that's not all of Edom. So the way he gets all of Edom is he's going to have some far off major powers come back up the Ishmaelid and start crushing the, the allies. You're all in Israel. And then, and then the, uh, and then, uh, what happens at that point is, is that all of the Edomites get crushed for the way they treated, for the Horban and the way they treated us. And then what happens is all the ministering angels of all the Goyim are gone, meaning they have no more Sarim and Shemayim. And all that's left is, is Yisrael. And that's the end of the Peace of the Tsar. That all that would be left is, is, is a Kurdish Baruch Hu and his, his, uh, I don't know how to say it, Sarut, Sarut, uh, Sarus, his, his, um, you know, his rulership in Shemaim over Klal Yisrael. And that will be the end of days. That was today's Zohar in, uh, in the Chok Yisrael. Mom is like, exactly what we're dealing with. Not a shim's, you know, a shim's coming to a much bigger light for all of us. And don't forget, we're towards the end of days. There's only six thousand years. And we're at fifty-seven, eighty-four, and there's got to be basic mikdash before six thousand. So it's like not a lot of time. Both bites reshon and shani. We're we're double the time we have left. Eat both of those. Stood bites reshon and shani. Stood double the time we have left before six thousand. It has to be built before six thousand, which means it has to be built now for there to be a, a an era basically. <laughs>
what's unique in the possible you in Yerushalayim, besides the fact that it's uh, probably three-quarters buffering that come. Another unique thing is that we get to handle um, other issues that people would like to deal with. Like, for example, um, it'll come up, it doesn't come up a lot, but it'll come up things like, how do we know about the Yisode Muna? You know, the Yisode Muna are three subjects. Torah, sorry, Hashem, Torah, and Mesur. Hashem, how do we know there's Hashem? Torah, how do we know Torah is not a man-written document? And Mesura, how do we know that the that the actual transmission of Torah from 3,334 years ago is accurate today? How do we know that the lifestyle we're living today is actually accurate? Your parents' generation didn't care that much about those questions. But you guys have a lot more influence in your lives. A lot more influence in the influence that's coming in from the media and from the world at large is atheistic. It's an atheist um, culture. And you're being asked to, on the one hand, they all have meaningless lives, and you have a very meaningful life, but on the other hand, deliberatoral lifestyle comes at great sacrifice. And I doubt any of you are going to leave it, but wouldn't it be nice to know it was true? Wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be confirming to know that it stands? And so, normally when I'm running the seminar, if someone tries to bring that up, if I'm in Monroe or Muncie or Lakewood or London, if someone tries to bring that up, so I'll talk about it for five minutes, but you know they're not coming for that. And I don't expect the boys that'll be here next week you know, I'm not expecting you're coming for that either, but, but at least we can cover some of that ground and so that you're strong in your Yiddish kind. <laughs> now, I don't know if you guys got to see, but there's a whole generation of Bali Chuba that became from between 1967 and, and 2007 when smartphones came out. It was like 40 years of Bali Chuba. And they're the funniest people because they're the most liberal, chill people you ever meet. But they're totally stark with the lacha. Like when it comes to a lacha, they're like stark. It's like they're like more worried about halacha than the average from guy. Why? Why is a totally chill guy so stark with, with halacha? The answer is because we got to be exposed to information about the truth of Torah, whether we're Asha Torah or Sameh. Other places that taught that stuff, I was at Asian. And then I wound up spending another 30 years, from 1991 till, uh, till basically 2020, teaching those classes. And so that's just an added benefit is when a, when a buffer comes to the possible you, they have the, uh, that, that advantage of, uh, working a bit on, on Yisodei Amuna, so that it's not blind faith. Because if you think about it, if, if you were born in Iraq, you'd be a Muslim. If you were born in Rome, you'd be a Christian. If you were born in Utah, you'd be a Mormon. So if you're born in Lakewood, you're from Jew. If you're born in uh, 
Brooklyn, you're from Jew. But none of those traditions have any proof whatsoever about the truth of their foundations. Whereas we have full, like massive amounts of proofs of the foundations of the truth of Torah. We have that. And very few people were ever given any of that when growing up. Shy went out to get the chillin, but I think what happened is more and more people kept coming, so so he's uh, slapping it here. Um, I do have... No, I'll pull out the beer. You know, when the chillin comes, we'll pull out the beer and everything. Um... <coughs> So we're going to be together next week. It's going to be from 6.30 to 11.30 each night. And when it says when I say 11.30, it's really 11.30-ish. Uh, can't say it exactly ends at 11.30 every night. Um, you should know that it's not really classroom style. The experience is uh, an experience. So, so there's going to be a lot of meditation and a lot of... Uh, uh, a lot of a releasing and emotion and breaking through your stuff. You don't have to know what you're doing. It's got a very wide, uh, the funnel has a very wide mouth. So you, all you have to do is basically keep your body in the chair. Uh, you don't have to share anything private or personal. Um, you'll probably get more out of the seminar if you do. We all swear, we all make like a major, major commitment of confidentiality. So anything that's shared in the seminar stays in the seminar. And you can ask any Hasidic guy here who did the seminar if any story that anyone shared ever got exposed to anyone else. They would say absolutely not. And never, nothing ever gets out. But if... What? <laughs> no, the Hasidim are particularly scared of this stuff. So they would be like extra um, they would know <laughs> all it would take was one leak until everybody knows so um, but but really if someone I've had people come to the seminar you know and I asked him if he wanted to share something he said the guy who told me to come here said I wouldn't have to share so I was like great don't you and they it, it does its work the only thing you need for the possible use is to keep your body in the chair and go through the experience. The experience is, it's much like a, like if you were getting a massage or a basin. Like, you don't help the guy. You just lay there and let him, you know, if you're in the Schwitz, just let him do his thing. If you're on a massage table, you don't help a massage therapist. Your job is to actually totally relax yourself so that the massage can be given. So you don't really need anything coming in. Also, if there's someone who thinks they're not like smart enough to deal with what I'll be doing, you don't need to be smart. In fact, the smarter, and then the, the other people who are like the real intellectual types, they have a harder time because they're so busy trying to figure it out the whole time that they could easily miss it. It's, it's a, it's, it's on the one hand, it's like, it's super complex, but on the other hand, to get your breakthrough, you don't need to know any of the complexity. You don't have to understand it. All you have to do is just keep your body in the chair and let it do its thing. Now, I want to be real honest with you all. 
that if you're a bachar, it's a lot harder to integrate the work after the five days. I personally feel like a bachar should come just to enjoy the five days and to go through it and to experience it. And if you got nothing, then, which wouldn't have never happened because I couldn't run a seminar if you got nothing. But I would, I if I were a bachar, I'm telling you, I would come in here just to get those five days. Just to experience the five days. Go through what you go through. And and then, you know, take your wings. As you leave the door on Thursday night, I'll give everyone a pair of wings and just go back to your life. But because you live in a Bukhadira probably, and your life is very up in the air, because, I mean, think about it. Right now, if you're a Bukhadira, your life's a, you're a question mark. I mean, you're literally like, is that the way a question mark would go? Or should I have gone that way? This way? I don't know. Which way? Sometimes like Hebrew language. You're a question mark. You know, who are you going to marry? Where are you going to live? What are you going to do for Panosa? How long are you going to learn? And like, you know, it's just like, Every, every single thing of where you're going is a question. Not a very, not a very, uh, stable time, actually. And you know what you're gonna do between age 20 to 30, you know what you're gonna do? You're gonna turn your question mark into an exclamation point. This is who I'm gonna marry, this is where I'm gonna live, this is what I'm gonna do for my, my community, this is my house, this is my car. Like exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. And what happens later, by the way, I'll just warn you, is that when people turn around 50, all of a sudden their exclamation point, like, it starts doing yoga or something. It starts like, like, it starts just going like, So it's important that you that you build proper foundations. You don't go through that because it's called a midlife crisis in the fifties, and a bentor should never have to go through that. If your foundations are strong, so then you're not going to go through that in your fifties. So there's a famous line in Chazal that says like this: It says that if the if the the younger if the if the young people the tzirim if they say build. And the Zakanian say demolish, then demolish. Because the demolition of the Zakanian is the building. So I'll say it again, to my Khazal. If the younger people, if the younger say build, and the Zakanian say demolish, demolish, because the demolition of the Zakanian is the building. You got, you got the mimer? So what's it mean? So Hazal explained that what happens when you're young is that you just, you got the inner negative beliefs, meaning the negative beliefs are down there, which are like, you know, rotten and stink to high hell. Negative beliefs are, you know, it's, it's rotten stuff at the core. And a chatzitza on the, on the neshuma. And so what do the younger say? Bill. Bill, be the guy, be the, be the, you know, 
be the macher, be the masmi, be the tzaddik, be the 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 chanyuk, or be the fafront, or or be the shy guy, or be the wild guy, or be the the tuna bible, or the be the you know the hot shot. Meaning, meaning, build, build, and and somehow avoid what's underneath. Whereas the zakenim, the zakenim have been around. The zakenim say, "Don't build there. Don't build on that stuff. Demolish. Get rid of that stuff. Get down to the core of who you truly are and who Hashem truly created you to be. Get down to the core of what's the truth about you." And then, and then build on that. Build on proper foundation. So what I was saying before is that when you come to the possible as a bunker, it's very hard to apply it afterwards. It's hard to apply it. But I believe that if you got 20%, if you got 20%, that that was a huge, huge success. And I believe if any of you would really want it to integrate it and make it yours, you would have a hundred percent. I mean, if you weren't just a buck who was going to go fool around for the rest of the year, you would get a hundred percent. But if you were a buck who was going to just go fool around after the past view, you'll probably get twenty percent integrated. And if you get that twenty percent integrated, it's a major, major game changer. You are saving yourself the service in your future with that, with that what you got. And there's also, there's something else, is besides what you get afterwards, let's say it was 20% for a guy who just blew it off afterwards and just went back to party. So if you just go back to party and you got 20%, great. But there's something else that happens. In the seminar itself, there's a shift. So I meet Bachram, who are like, you know, they're like, you know, eight months after the seminar, and they blew it off. They just went right back to partying and like hanging out and gone soccer and drinking beer and whatever. So, I see the guy eight months later, I say, so, how you doing? And I run into a kid, you know, a guy was in the seminar eight, eight years, eight months ago. He says, yeah, it didn't really do much for me. I said, okay, great. Okay. But how were the five days? Said, Amazing. Amazing. So I meet him a year and a half from then. I said, run into him again in Brooklyn or something. How you doing? He's like, yeah, good. What'd you get for the seminar? I'm saying, I told you, you know, not much. Meet the guy three years, three years later. How you doing? Good. What'd you get for the seminar? He's like, whoa. And I'm like, what? He's like, it took me a couple years to realize that the seminar, I'll give you the 20% right there, let's call it that. And you see where my hands are? That's when he came in. You see where my fingertips are? That was like, let's say, two years. And then over here is the third year. That's the fourth year. The fifth year. And he started to realize, you know, as time was going on, that, that he, he basically told me, and many of them have told me, that they can literally mark the day that they walked into the Basilio that changed the, changed the direction of their entire life. Meaning everything that has happened since then, they can bring it right back to the day they walked in the door to the seminar. They couldn't sense it at the beginning because they're buffered. It's very hard to it's very hard to integrate 
when you live in a dorm with a bunch of knuckleheads. <laughs> it's hard to integrate stuff, you know. But how are you supposed to integrate anything? When you have a wife, you have kids, you have work, you like, you know, you have a place that you're applying it. Where do you apply it when you're living with a bunch of bumper? But what happens over time is you start to notice, hey, wow, putting it in more, putting it in more. I'm starting to integrate this stuff. Now today, things are different. We have a follow-up. We have a four-week follow-up. We meet once a week for four weeks. We have uh, international follow-up. We have communities. We now have uh, five centers. So wherever you live, there's probably a center nearby. And and we have uh, staff all over the world. Everyone who comes to the seminar gets a personal coach. You're going to have a private coach who uh, helps you with the work and everything you need for the seminar. So you get a lot of private attention from them. And uh, yeah. Good stuff. You guys want to do a meditation? Yeah? Yeah. Let's do a meditation. All right. Um, I can take that lighting in the bottom right. You guys want to do breath work? Yes. Okay. Really? You want to do it? Oh, yeah. You guys are courageous. Okay, we'll do a little breath work. We'll do breath work and then we'll do a meditation. And then hopefully the children will be here. It's here. Oh, the children's here? Yeah. Oh. Okay, we'll, we'll do one round of breath work and meditation and then we'll have children and singing and beer. And you know what? Shavi, uh, Shavi, um, can you shut up that, that uh, freezer over there? I think the beer is going to be cold enough now. It's the left hand side over there. You can follow the sound of it. Alright, here we go. New breath work. Um, sit up straight. And uh, get yourself in uh, a posture that is upright, positive. Rest your hands. Palms up. We always keep the palms up a little bit to to, uh, you know, at least not down. They could be sideways, they could be up, but it puts you in a more open position. Open's always better. It's one of the only personal character traits. Openness is, um, you know, there's many traits, introvert, extrovert, you know, and, uh, and openness, closeness. Openness is considered one of the best character traits because there's no negative to being open. You have to have proper judgment, but always being open. Obviously our communities don't don't pride themselves on openness. Because <laughs> since the Haskalah, openness was not considered a good trait. But in psychology, openness is considered a very, very good trait. Alright, let's go. Close your eyes. And we're going to be breathing in strong. Like this, and then just, and then you don't have to breathe out strong, just, you can just let it go, like. In and out. In, out. I'll guide you. In, breathe in, out. In, out. In, and out. In, out. 
in, out. We're going to do about 40 of those. Everyone go strong. Open your mouth. Don't do it through your nose. It's all through the mouth. If you don't do it strong, it's going to be very hard to hold your breath. What you're doing is changing the chemistry of your body by oxygenating your blood. In and out. Strong in, strong out. Breathe in strong and then you can just let it release. And then breathe in again. Do not pause. As soon as you breathe in, let it out. As soon as you let it out, breathe it in. Keep going. After about 20 more breaths, we're going to blow out all the air. And you're going to hold your breath as long as you can, but I will time it for... for I'll let you know when it's one minute. So try to do at least a minute. Uh, you have no mitts for the pass out, so one in every thousand people might pass out, so do not pass out. You can feel dizzy, that's fine, but don't pass out. Okay, as you hear the numbers, 10 through 1. When we get to 1, you're going to blow out all your ears. So go strong now for the last, last 10. 10, 9, eyes closed, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2. Take a deep breath and blow it all out. 1. Close your eyes and breathe. Do not breathe. Let out all your air. So there's no more air in your body. Palms up. Eyes up like you're looking. Your eyes are closed, but you're looking between your eyebrows. Feeling your heart open. Halfway there. Feeling your heart, feeling your soul, your awareness, your consciousness. For those who are going to do just one minute, I'll let you know when it's up. If you'd like to keep holding, you can hold. When you inhale, just hold your breath. Okay, we're at one minute, so you can inhale if you want. Deep breath in, and hold your breath now for another 15 seconds. And those who are going longer, when you inhale, hold your breath. For those who are doing 15 seconds, you can exhale now. For those who are still holding, you can release when you step one. Now let's do another round, in and out, strong in, strong out. Push yourself, it's not too fast, not too slow, strong in, and then release. Strong in, and then release. It's called circular breathing, because the circle comes up your back as you inhale, and down your stomach as you exhale, like a circle. No pausing, 
Don't hesitate. Go all in with courage. You got this. It opens up the heart. Opens up the mind. In and out. Breathing into the emotion. Breathing out the toxins. The poison of painful emotions. And as you hear the numbers 10 through 1, you'll hold your breath at 1. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2. Take a deep breath and blow it all out. 1. Holding your breath, eyes up. Feeling the pleasure of your heart opening. Mind focused. This time you'll go a minute and 15 seconds. Whoever wants to go longer can. seconds for those who are doing a minute and 15. That's a minute and 15. If you'd like to breathe, take in a breath or hold your breath now. Hold your breath. Eyes up. Releasing your breath. Now just breathing normally, eyes closed. Close your right fist and imagine no more breathing, just quiet. Breathe normally. Close your right fist and imagine that in your right fist are little rocks, ugly rocks. And every rock is one negative statement about yourself. From childhood, growing up, not good enough, unloved, unwanted, unimportant, unworthy, unacceptable, unsafe, helpless, hopeless, Worthless, small, weak, lost. Every negative statement you've ever said, not good enough, not as good as, incapable. 
Every negative statement you've ever said about yourself that's covered up your soul is in your right hand. If you were to throw those rocks into a pond, every rock would create a vibrational wave that would cross the pond. And every rock would, because each rock creates its own circular wave, it intersects with the other ones, creating a complex and complicated pattern across the pond, which causes other people to interact with you in complex and complicated ways, a lot of drama. Things are complex, relationships are complicated. Now close your left fist and put in there gravel, but not regular street gravel, but fish tank gravel, like little tiny rocks. And that's your fight and flight survival strategies. It's the personality you came up with. When you can dominate, you fight. So you dominate the situation. And if you can't dominate, you flight, avoid, shut down, shy, push away, don't trust, don't share, keep to yourself. You were hoping that you could throw all those, all that gravel onto the surface of the pond to cover up the waves of the rocks. But every little piece of gravel creates its own little wave. And an even more complex and complicated pattern across the pond. And so everyone's had to learn how to interact with you. It's a bit exhausting to be close to you. A lot of rules that people have to learn. So holding both hands tight. Breathe, go back to your breath now, in and out. Holding your hands tight for another minute. state of surrender. 
hear the heartbeat of the beautiful child inside your heart. And realize that it's time for you to go back and hold it. Inhale, deep breath. Hold your breath. It's time to go back and pick up your child and to hold him. It's enough already. You gotta start with that beautiful child. Exhale. Your eyes closed. You just have in mind the beautiful child that you were when you were two years old. Pick him up and hold him. Whisper to him, I love you. I'm sorry I let you go. Take a smaller step. Take a deeper breath. Deep breath. Let your motor cool. Slow down to a crawl as your defenses fall. Feel your soul refuel. Close your right fist around everything you thought about yourself. Everything you thought. Close your left fist around your fight and flight personality you created so that you'd never have your inner negative beliefs exposed. Close your left fist. That's all the stuff even you started to believe that was you. All that you believed. Hold it in your hands and let it go. Open your hands. Take a deep breath. Release. Nothing left to fear. Open to receive. Setting free the child. Sing a simple song Laugh so hard you're crying Chase a butterfly Climb a mountainside Once again you're flying The person of your dreams is coming into view. See that beautiful child. Nobody can take that dream away. Somebody who trusts. Somebody who shares. Someone like the child.
siblings you got and their work. Mm-hmm. 
And so your heart broke a million times. And so you stop trusting. You stop sharing. But if you don't share of yourself, then friends who you think are your friends, who you'd call the people who like you, I guess, maybe love you, is it really you they love if you don't share yourself? Who is it they love? You stop sharing. So how can you have love? You can't. The only way to have love is to share yourself. And the only way to share yourself is to trust. And the only way to trust is to take that pistol out of the hands of that little kid who got hurt when he was a kid. Because he's holding that gun behind your back telling you don't trust anybody. And so you don't trust, you don't share. And so the people who you call your friends, your loved ones... haven't really been given anything to love or to like because you don't share yourself and so there's a deep loneliness in that doesn't matter how many friends you have doesn't matter if you're married with kids if you don't share yourself you're alone so I'm going to ask you right now just to just as a as a muscle as a And ask you please open your hand and reach it out to the person next to you on either side and just hold hands with each other to trust the muscle is trusting because obviously you're not saying anything to this person but you're holding his hand you're trusting him with your hand and hands can be fists they can be dangerous or hands can be open hands that give and you're also sharing your hand let that be a mushal. And the nimshal is you sharing your life with people. Keep holding hands, taking a deep breath, and sing the words, the person of your dreams. The person of your dreams coming into view. Is coming into view. Nobody can take that dream away. Nobody can take Somebody who trusts. Somebody who trusts. Somebody who shares. Somebody who shares. Someone like the child. Someone like the child.
breathing. Lowering your hands slowly, but don't let go so fast. Lowering your hands slowly. And if you wanted to let go fast, that's a little muster for you. Coming back to your safety of being alone. Your identity of being alone. You're not alone. You were never alone. It's when the chatzitzas of internegative beliefs and survival strategies are sending crazy vibrations out. What you get is alone. Release each other's hands. Whisper the words thank you to, the, to those people. Keep your eyes closed. really excited to spend next week serving you if you choose to join the seminar you're going to have an incredible experience you are worth it and I'm going to ask each one of you to vote not for Trump I'm going to ask you to vote for yourself you are the best candidate man you're amazing the only reason I started this seminar 23 years ago was I got so tired of being told I'm amazing when I was looking at the most amazing person I've ever seen. And that's you. And I've dedicated my life. And I have 75 people working for me now all over the planet who are dedicated, absolutely dedicated to the beauty inside of every individual. And to fan the flame of the neshama the true being that a Kodesh Baruch Hu put in you and to be partnered with Hashem to just speed up his seminar a little bit in honor of the next generation that they should grow up in safe homes with safe marriages beauty power experience love connection Goodness, Kedusha, Tala, Vegas. May we be the generation that rebuilds space of intention. So hear the numbers one through five, five. Open up your eyes. Coming up one, two, three, four, and opening up your eyes. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.